Welcome and hi. My name is Cruz Roberts, and I wanted to welcome you to the um, Huddle Up podcast hosted by my parents, Chris and Sarah Roberts. Huddle up as we talk about God's story, our story, and yours. We're excited to have Tim and Jessica Kraft on the podcast today. Tim has been the head basketball coach at Gardner-Webb University for the last eight years. His coaching stops include assistant coach at Auburn, East Carolina University, and a previous assistant at Gardner-Webb. Tim is an outstanding leader and has a tremendous family. Him and Jessica have a great story about fostering kids, and since this is Foster Awareness Month, we thought they were perfect for this month's podcast. And actually, Sarah and I, uh, part of our story is around foster care. And much like you guys are going to hear from the crafts, this um, was something that God had put on my heart before he ever put it on Chris's. But Chris and I have known each other almost our entire lives. And this was not something that we grew up, you know, ever thinking, hey, our whole lives we wanted to adopt or even knew anything about foster care. No, not at all. And um, like you're going to hear with the crafts, God put it on my heart. And I remember bringing it up to Chris and you were, no. Uh, there was no way. There was no <laughs> way I wouldn't, I wasn't for it. It, it was such a foreign thought to me. And um, I just, I had no idea about the need. And I guess that's was part of it. I, I didn't know that there was a need. I didn't know it was that big a deal that there was that many kids that were orphans. And that's what is, I think God put on my heart first. It, we call it blessed with a burden. And um, I, I remember writing down in my journals and in my Bible every time that it would bring up, you know, something about the orphan, I would write the date. And I knew if God put it on my heart as being married to Chris, he was going to have to put it on his heart too. Because I, I believe God doesn't speak to one without speaking to the other. So I, the only thing I knew what to do was to pray and wait for that time that God would speak to Chris like he spoke to me. And that happened on Christmas Eve service one um, day. And during that time, our, our pastor was talking about uh, all the different times in the Christmas story where uh, the angels would come and say, do not fear. And this particular service, it was on Mary and it was, do not fear for what God is asking you to do. And do you remember what the pastor said? So he said, you may be sitting there with three kids of your own and he might be asking you to foster or adopt. And we had three kids <laughs> and, and like in this conversation, had actually started before we had three kids. I mean, we had just had a second is when this conversation started. So here he is, you know, three kids. Uh, you may be asked to foster or adopt. And you didn't even look at me. And I, I remember you were sitting to the right of me and I looked over at you and you didn't look at me. All you said was, I heard him. And <laughs> that was it. That was it. That's when I knew. That's when you knew, and, and that's when it was that next week that we started the process, and um, we did it one toe at a time of, we were like, it's it's not scary to call and just get some information. It's not too scary to go and, you know, take the classes. It's not scary to, to you know, maybe meet a kid. Well, yeah, that that's easy to do, just to keep taking the next step. Uh until <laughs> it is time to meet him. And, and we, did. Uh, we did. Met him at Chick-fil-A. That was uh, the first time we met Little Cruz. And um, 
then it got real. It got real. <laughs> it did get scary then, but uh, he was five years old. Yeah, yeah. He was five years old, and we met him. And he was a wild man. He was a wild man then. If you know him, you know he's still a wild man now. Um, but it didn't take you long to meet him to say, you know what, we we're in love with him. We moved him in. We started fostering. Two weeks later after he mm -hmm. moved in. Literally two weeks. Yeah, literally two weeks, almost the day one of Chris's players, uh, mom's passed away. Passed away. His dad had already passed away, and we were in the will uh, for him to come stay with us. So in the matter of two weeks, uh, we ended up getting two children. Two children that were so equally broken, but knew that God had called them both to our family, 15116. And we'll get into Christian story mm -hmm. a, a little bit later because we kind of want to focus on Cruz and that foster because for those who are listening, it's not easy. It's not easy. We, 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 we talk to a lot of people um, in the process, but one of the things that we learned was actually came from Peter when he has stepped out of the boat. And it was just a few years ago that we were in parent teacher conferences with Cruz and we sat across from his teacher and we heard the question, how long have you had him? And at that point in time, we had had him for three years. And then I remember her saying, well, that's enough time. And I said, for what? And she goes, you know, the, to know what's right and wrong, to know what's acceptable behavior or not. And I can tell you right now, my heart broke. Not just because she said it, but because there are times that Chris and I believed it. We believed because we got so frustrated with him. He should get it by now. But we realized he's not something to get, but a person to love. Time is irrelevant when it comes to healing. Time is irrelevant when it comes to love. Time is irrelevant when it comes to God. How many times have we all said, prayed, and maybe even yelled at God, You've had enough time, God, enough time to fix my marriage, enough time to make things happen in my job, enough time to heal this broken heart. Here's what we learned. God's greatest desire is not just to fix what's going on around us, but to teach us how to fix our eyes on the one who lives in us, and that is Jesus. That is one of the things that God has showed us with foster care. He may not fix everything around us, but he is teaching us through every struggle and, and trial to fix our eyes on him, just like he taught Peter when Peter walked on water. In Matthew chapter 14, it says, So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back in the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. You really are the son of God. You see, Peter was walking on water when his eyes were on Jesus. But the moment he took his eyes off Jesus onto the struggles, the wind, the fear, the waves around him, he began to sink. And I know. You guys can relate to Chris and I because a lot of times during this whole foster experience and, and life in general from coaching to foster, the moment we take our eyes on Jesus and focus on the wind and the waves around us, focusing on the struggles going on, we begin to sink into self-doubt, self-pity self and self-loathing. I remember um, there was a quote by um, a pastor that we love, Tony Evans, that says, don't question in the dark what God has shown you in the light. 
But as we learn from this story, Peter cries out to Jesus. Jesus doesn't stop the wind until after they got into the boat. It's not our circumstance he wants to change, but our focus. He didn't stop the storm. He saved him in the middle of it. Hebrews chapter 12 says this, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. See, our son Cruz, his race isn't finished. Ours, Chris and I's, our race isn't finished. And we're here to encourage you, yours is not finished either. It's time to fix our eyes on the Jesus who lives in us instead of what the storm may be going on around us. Guys, it's time to get things fixed. We're so excited to welcome our friends, the Crafts fa Craft family with us on Huddle Up. So we want to welcome Tim and Jess Craft to Huddle Up. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the first three questions that we ask everybody that comes on the show is, how did you all meet? How long have you been married? And then tell us a little bit about your family. Okay. So my sister, I have an older sister and she was dating one of Tim's best friends. So that is how we met. My sister introduced us and we have been married. It'll be 19 years um, in a couple weeks. Okay. So we like to say we have been married for almost 23 years, happily for 20. Um, what <laughs> Would you guys have a, a similar um, number when it comes to being married? Yeah, probably. Uh, probably do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I through, but, uh, I what would you say? Yeah, probably a good 80% hard, 20% really good. Probably not as good as your uh, 20 for 23. I'm probably quite high. <laughs> <laughs> as long as there's more good than bad, I, I that's all that matters. Happy. I was all I've I've been happy for 19, <laughs> but you know, Jess, unfortunately, I didn't make her happy. Probably. This is this is where we get real on Huddle Up. This is it. We don't hide anything. All right, tell us a little bit about your family. Um been married for 19 years. We had um, Lola is our oldest uh, daughter. We had uh, her here when we were living in Boiling Springs and I was an assistant at Gardner-Webb. Um, she's now 13. Um, right after she was born, we moved to Auburn, Alabama. We were uh, there coaching at Auburn and we had our second child, which was Macy. She is now uh, 12. Lola's about to turn 14, Macy's 12. And then I, we, I, I, I tell the story about our kids based on where we lived. So. That's right. I was going to say, yeah. it's all based on where you were coaching at the time right. is, right. is how you say right. your family. So then, so then so we true. moved to Greenville, North Carolina, and I was coaching at East Carolina, and Bennett was born, and he is now eight. So... Uh, we said we had one bulldog, one tiger, and one pirate, <laughs> and they kind of identify with where they were born sometimes with who they're cheering for. Um, so, uh, and Bennett was like less than one year old when we got the job here, right? Like six months. Mm -hmm. So then we came back to Gardner-Webb. Um, we've now been here for uh, eight years. Um, wow. And 
added um, little Christian, uh, we call him CT, to our family four years ago. He's four years old now. He was uh, one of our foster uh, children uh, that then we adopted. And then we've just recently taken in another foster child with us now who's 14. Wow. That is so um, amazing, which is one of the reasons why we wanted to get into you guys' story. Because for those who may not know, May is National Foster Awareness Month. And as you just shared a little bit about that in your family, um, and we also shared this a little bit in our devotion today, because it's part of our story too. Um, if you could put into words, how did God lead you to fostering being a part of you all story? Well, I'll take this one because I feel like the Lord really spoke to me first. Bennett was around two years old and I sort of felt like, okay, is this baby fever? I'm not really sure what this is. And so, um, I started thinking, yeah, I think I, I can do another one physically. I feel like we had the last two right in the middle of basketball season. And so I didn't know if I wanted to try for that again, but, um, I don't know. I just felt the Lord calling us to adopt, but I didn't say anything to Tim right away. And I prayed about, it. I said, I'm just going to pray about it, which is not like me. I like to talk about everything, but I just kind of kept to myself and prayed about it for two months. And then it was just like everywhere I looked, everywhere I read social media, commercials, movies, um, you know, it was just adoption, adoption, adoption. And so I just kept, kept listening to the Lord and kept praying. And then on Father's Day that year, Tim played this video that he was going to be playing at this father-son camp that he was going to do. And sure enough, it was about, it was about um, an adoption story. And so I just started crying and I was like, okay, I've got to talk to you about this. And I shared it with him and, and Tim is, um, he said, well, he's like, all right, let's pray about it. I mean, I thought he was going to say, you know, you're crazy. We have three kids. Um, yeah, we don't need that. We don't need another one. Um, but he just said, yeah, let's pray about it and let's just start looking into it. And so for me, that was like green, light, go start doing the research. So I started doing the research and initially I just started looking at private adoption and just kind of kept bumping into some, some hindrances, I guess. And then a friend mentioned, you know, have you ever thought about public? And I said, no, not really. So long story short, I looked into that and it just was like, open door, open door, open door. And we took our foster classes, um, which is, you know, it's, it's 10 classes, three hours each, once a week. And um, at the beginning of those classes, I said, we are just foster to adopt. That is all we're here to do. We want a child under the age of three, preferably a boy. Like I felt so like I knew what God was calling us to. And then by the end of those classes, it was just like, my mind and my heart were just bust wide open as to what's going on in our community, just right here in our backyard. And, you know, you can't, it just, it just weighed super heavy on me. So literally the last class, um, Tim wasn't there of course, because he was right at the beginning of our season and he, he had to miss the last one for a game. And I went home and after we talked about it, I said, you know, I know I said we were just foster to adopt, but I think the Lord is saying we need to foster. There's a need and we, and we can do this. And, um, and so we just changed, we changed to fostering, but we did keep it to under the age of three. Cause I sort of felt like that was what, um, I could manage with our kids being, I think they were six, no, they were like seven, six and two, something like that. <laughs> so, well, and Tim, what, what were, you know, we hear from Jess's point of view, what her thoughts were going on at this time. What, what, because I know with us, 
we were on very different paths mm-hmm. um, and um, in getting God, getting us on the same page in this. Did you guys experience that same thing? Well, Jess was certainly uh, the leader in this whole thing in, in terms of um, feeling the call um, uh, and, and then sharing it with me. And, um, you know, when she shared it with me, I was pretty open to it. Mm-hmm. I was pretty open to it. Um, you know, I, I, and, and she didn't share this either, but this, this, I think impacted me as well. We, we watched this, uh, and, and maybe you're talking about, you're talking about the video with Greg Nybert. Or Ernie. No? Ernie. Okay. Yeah. So later, um, you know, one of the coaches in my league at the time, um, his name's Greg Nybert and he was a long time coach at Presbyterian college. And uh, now he's not coaching there anymore. He's at uh, Spartanburg Day High School, but um, probably 20 plus years, maybe, you know, 15 to 20 years, he was the head coach at Presbyterian College. And um, he had been in our league all this time. And I had known Coach Nybert for a long time. And I never knew that they were foster parents. And um, there was this special on he and his wife and their family. And it was like one of those ESPN kind of short uh, 360 deals. And um, it was amazing. And uh, we, we watched that and it was just like amazing what they had done. It was kind of really their kids had, their biological kids had grown up and were older teenagers and they started fostering. And it was like, when this show came out, it was like 30 some babies that they had fostered and, um, and, and really, you know, moved to an adoptive home, you know, so they might've had the baby for a month or a couple years mm-hmm. and then moved them, uh, you know, to an adoptive family, or sometimes they, they might've gone back to their, to their, to their family. Um, but it was just, that was really impactful for me, you know, watching that and feeling like, well, you know, we should be able to do this, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, mm-hmm. um, but, um, you know, like, like Jess said, we, we certainly prayed about it. I just, I never really felt like, no, we can't do this. Um, she brought it up and I, and I was open to it. And then the, as we got into foster care, I didn't know anything about um, how, DSS worked or social services worked. I didn't know anything about it. Right. Um, and so that was like a whole new world that was kind of opened up to us of all these kids right here in our county that don't have a home or they're in a really tough situation that is trying to be um, restored, but a lot of times cannot be restored or, right. uh, or, you know, will be restored, but, but Hey, they need a, they need a, a home. Uh, while while their parents are are trying to get um, you know well, right. And, um, so it really is amazing how you don't really have no idea that need until you start looking, and and right. it's just crazy you don't um, how it's just not publicized, I guess, right. uh, until you really look into it yourself, and then uh, that's one thing that we found uh, mm-hmm. in that process, and mm-hmm. so. I know you guys hear like crazy off the wall comments and questions. Uh, <laughs> like what's the, like the nuts and bolts What are some things that you wish people actually knew about foster care? 
Uh, one, just to, to know that the need that's out there, you know, that the, the need that's out there. I just think it's like you said, a lot of, a lot of people are like us just don't really even know. Um, and, and it's been cool to be able to like, you know, expose others to that, you know, guys on our coaching staff, people at uh, Black Mountain, couples at Black Mountain, like, you know, and for their kind of eyes to be open to that and, and, and want to get involved. Um, but um, I, you were, you had something you want to share with that? Right? Well, I think for me, like it can be really, when you do find out what, what's going on, it can be really overwhelming and Absolutely. you can just, you know, you can just think, well, you know, what could I, like, I can't do anything or I don't feel like I'm called to foster. And, and I think that that's okay. But I think that, people should realize, everyone should realize you can do something, um, whether it be support a foster family or donate your time or, um, or just resources to agencies that support foster kids and families as well. So there's always something that can be done. I know that one of our favorite quotes is from Pastor Andy Stanley on that. And he says, um, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And I, and he was talking about, you know, the foster care system and, and coming alongside people and families who are fostering. And um, like you said, you may not feel the call to foster, but you can maybe um, get involved in like Compassion International. You may be able to come alongside a foster family and say, you know what, why don't you go out on a date and we will take the, the kids for the night. I mean, there's so many ways that we can support one another in meeting this need, as we both know, that's so great when it comes to foster care. Um, so the other thing I had one of one of the other thing that kind of stood out with that question was um, was I, several several uh, people I know you know just talking through this people have said, um, man, I just I could never do that. Right. Uh, I've said that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And so a lot of people say I could never do that because um, I can't imagine like getting attached to a child and maybe they're with you for a year. Because a lot of times you never know how long they're going to be with you You're right. most, most of the time. Right. And maybe they're with you for an extended period of time, six months, a year, two years. And then, you know, the goal is to get them back with their family. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm certainly doesn't always happen, but that's the goal. And, you know, I could never do that. It's like, because I'd be attached to this child and then they would, that would be too painful for me. And, 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 and I don't, I don't not trying to diminish that because I think that's a natural thing for us to think about, but it's, it's trying to remind yourself of, Hey, why are you doing it? You're, mm. you're doing this number one, because you're trying to be obedient to God's call to care for the orphans. That should be the first reason. Right. And number two, it's for the child, right? It's mm. to provide a home. It's to, you know, give them an opportunity to, to be in a loving family for however long that is. It's not to make your life easy, right? That's not why <laughs> yeah. we're doing it. Yeah. Like, right. I, we yeah. forget that, that <laughs> we don't do foster care to make our life easier. Yeah. Easier or get some kind of warm and fuzzy feeling right. about it. That's not what it's, you know, it's going to be painful. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Um, I remember I remember us asking, you know, people who had been through this before when we were going through the process, 
And they specifically said, it is not like Annie. Like it, like that, <laughs> that it is not going to be that one where you're singing down the hallway of your, like, it's just not. And I think that was something that we needed to hear and be reminded of that it's messy. There's a reason why they are in your home right. um, because there's some kind of brokenness that happened in their life and it's messy and it's hard. Um, but God is in the middle of it, right? It, it, God never said it would be easy. He did say it would be worth it. And we cling to that mm-hmm. a lot. And, and it's crazy how I listened to you articulate that, Coach. I, 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 just, I couldn't help but think like, man, isn't that how coaching is? Mm. You bring these kids in, you invest in them, uh, you give all you have. It's messy, it's dirty, but then you really send them out. And uh, that just, when, when you're talking about how you, Dang, or not, so they, they, they get them to the transfer portal. They didn't right. <laughs> That's a whole nother episode, isn't it? Oh, man. <laughs> so, all right, so that brings me to this. You guys aren't only a foster family, but you are a college coaching family. So you got basketball season. You've got to recruit. You're out on the road. How do you um, make your faith, your family, your marriage, how do you invest in those things and make that a priority? Well, I think one thing that's been, been uh, uh, a uh, constant for us, and, and honestly, part of it has been because of the leagues we've been in have played on Saturdays a lot of times. The SEC was Wednesday, Saturday, and Conference USA was, and, and we are now, which, you know, it, 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 being able to, to set – Sunday aside and, and keep the Sabbath holy. Um, that was just a, that was a huge emphasis with, with my family growing up, um, with the way that what we did on, on Sundays and, um, you know, how we tried to, to, um, set that day aside and make it different than every other day of the week. Um, and that's hard to do in today's, um, world. Um, but that's something we've really tried to do. We've tried to guard that day, um, with, with when at all possible, you know, there's occasionally we'll, we'll, we'll have a non-conference game or, um, we'll have a three game week where we, uh, play on a Monday and we got to practice Sunday night or something. But, um, you know, we always take our off days on Sunday, um, in the off season, I, you know, always on Saturday, Sunday, but, uh, in the season, usually our off days on Sunday. And, um, you know, we have our routine that we do and, um, you know, we're in church in the morning and we're, we're kind of hanging out with each other all day, um, or resting or, um, relaxing, uh, during the middle of the day. And then, uh, and then we finish the day we have family worship, um, in our home or, or, and that's, that's been kind of a constant for us. Um, and I think it's allowed us to to stay uh, connected and continue to remember what's important. I love that you make that intentional. Like it doesn't happen on accident, right? Like you could be working all week and be like, gosh, I just want to sleep in, but you're intentional with that. Jess, how about you when it comes to being the wife and and, uh, of a coach and Tim is gone and you've got the family, how is it that you maintain, um, that that faith and family marriage a priority as the as the wife 
Well, I mean, I definitely look to him as the leader when it comes to, you know, our family unit and, and, and I try to encourage him in that role and follow him in that role because um, I couldn't do it like him. But um, I definitely, as far as being a coach's wife, you have to be all in with what he does. This isn't just his job. This isn't, you know, this is our family's mission field. So um, re recognizing that daddy is at work and these players are, um, these, these players that are here, they're, they're here for a reason and investing in them. And so we, we really do try to keep our whole family involved mm. in the program, having the kid, having the guys over as much as possible, um, and making sure our kids are interacting with them, you know, just, we, it's a, it's a family thing. So. Oh, I love that. I love it. I love, like we've said many episodes, we've said, you know, family is team and team is family. And, um, yeah, yep. you guys are yep. living that. I love that. So, um, I think I know where you're going to go with this. Um, <laughs> but I want to ask, I mean, there's good and there's bad about coaching. Tell me your biggest high in the coaching, in your coaching profession. Um, that's easy for me. <laughs> I've only been to the NCAA tournament one time. And so that, that year was certainly – our, uh, our, our high as a, as a coach, being able to win a conference championship and cut down the nets and, and that, that, that uh, those whole two weeks kind of leading into the NCAA tournament and, and getting a chance to play in that, that event that you kind of dream about every player and coach uh, to be a part of, that for sure was a, the high of, um, of our, our career, I think. Well, it was, it was definitely fun to follow but it wasn't just like you didn't just like make the tournament. I mean, you guys had a really good showing. It's, it's like yeah, you guys yeah. played, you know, like a bad team. Right, no, it was right, right. Virginia. Yeah. I mean, you guys like, like you guys gave her up for their money. Gave her like you were ahead at halftime, right? That's right. Yeah. Against um, number one seeded Virginia, and you know we're we're watching. You know, your interview at halftime, I'm waiting for them to pan up to see, you know, the sweat on Jess's, and I'm just waiting. So it was, it was a, we that felt cool. all of that, that too. Was cool. That was such a fun, fun um, thing to watch you guys be. A fun hat. Yeah. <laughs> after the ha second, after the uh, first half, there wasn't a lot of fun, fun things about the game, but that whole time leading up to it and, and then we competed well and, and all that was was really cool it, it was really fun to follow but uh, obviously the flip side and um you know i i don't know how much you want to share this but what is like a biggest low that that you might want to share um maybe that people don't realize or just however you want to take that just a low in your coaching career well um my fourth grade team was 0-3 on saturday <laughs> so that was that was pretty bad we missed a Missed a dead wide open layup at the buzzer for the win. To get oh. Man, was, those dang elementary right school games will get you. Those are heart wrenching, rip yeah. your heart out games. Yeah. Um, um, you know we've been we were fired at Auburn, um, so that was that was low. You know, in terms of not knowing if if you're going to have a job and where you're going to work next, and um, and you know 
thinking through, hey, am I going to have to get a different job? You know, you got to, you're kind of thinking through all those things. Um, fortunately, my, my boss that I worked for got, got the East Carolina job in like two weeks or something like that. So it wasn't a long time that we were without a job, but it felt like a long time. Um, but, but I'd say probably we, I had a real low, low point during the year of, I think it was like 2017 and we had a, we had a good team. Um, but I was like, just run down, like just super run down. Um, had, that was probably maybe my fourth or fifth, maybe my fourth year as a, it was my fourth year as a head coach or maybe third, third or fourth year as a head coach. And um, I had just struggled a lot with just the fear of failure and just that weight of, of it kind of be feeling like it's on your shoulders to uh, prepare your team. And, um, and, and like, I was like done with it, to be honest. I, I mean, at, some, at one point during the year, I mean, I, I, I mean, I remember calling my dad and telling him like, Hey, I'm not doing this next year. Like, you got any ideas for me? Like, <laughs> yeah, like I have to sell insurance. What are some things you think I could be good at? You know, like, um, I, I'm not doing this again. Like I'm not coming back here and coaching. Wow. Like, I'm not doing that. Anymore. I, I can't, I, I, I'm, I'm miserable. <laughs> and Jess, what are you doing in this, in this time? I don't even know if I shared all that. With oh, okay. <laughs> and this is brand new information <laughs> right here. This year, he probably don't remember this because he was so foggy. Like, it's really hard. Like you guys talked about earlier to have like a date night or, and our kids were mm -hmm. so little. This is right after we finished our foster classes. So it takes a couple months after your classes to get licensed. So we were just kind of sitting in the waiting and I had just decided one night I was going to put the kids to bed and I could, I don't even know if you remember this meal. I cooked a shrimp, shrimp, like linguine, like nice dinner, put the kids to bed. And he came home and, and it was right in the middle of the season. And he sat down and ate. I was like, we just, I just feel like we need to talk. And I feel like it was that night that you actually like opened, started to open up to me about it. And so then it was like, okay, then it, I needed to start praying for him. And I mean, I knew at that point. So what was I thinking? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, your thinking was because I, I, if you're like, I mean, we, you, we've had a lot of these conversations. If they're okay, we're okay. Right. Well, right. Like it that, took a lot of years to like really buy into this coaching lifestyle. And then I finally did. I'm like, nope, you can't, you can't. <laughs> like I'm finally like enjoying this now. <laughs> so what happened or, or what was the process? How did you get out of that? What, what um, changed? You know, I actually, I actually remember uh, sharing it some at, at FCA camp with our huddle and just saying like, I mean, I, you know, I, I got through the year, um, but it was just like that year is like just having to try to like pull myself off the mat every day. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, um, but, you know, I, I, I don't remember exactly in terms of, you know, we got through the year. Um, you know, I probably just, you kind of give that weight lifted off your shoulder. You get excited about kind of the next team and, and, um, you know, you don't have to prepare that practice plan every day. You know, when you get a little bit of a, a month or so to just kind of decompress a little bit while you're recruiting and kind of focusing on other stuff. And, and really after that year, um, I, I began to make a, a much more conscious effort with my quiet time daily. And, and like um, the next year, we weren't near as good. Um, in fact, it was our first losing season. We were 14 and 18. 
and I, and I was having a lot of fun coaching the team and I was much more, much more enjoying what I was doing. And, and, um, you know, I, I would, I would, I would wake up and I, and that I've done it every, you know, since, since that year is just wake up really early. I do a lot of my preparation for the day early in the morning and, um, I wake up really early and spend, you know, almost, you know, almost 30 minutes kind of in prayer just for, um, you know, can you help me be a great leader today? And, and just like, Hey, I need you. And, um, you know, Lord, can you, you know, just, just guide me through this. And, and, you know, I, I just did a much better job with that. And, um, my, my kind of fear of failure and, and all those things just totally went away that year. And I was just having fun coaching. Um, and it's been, it's been great really ever since I've enjoyed my job uh, way more. So I have a weird low point and it wasn't, it wasn't like one, it wasn't like a one loss. It was just a kind of a, probably a three or four year deal that had just kind of sent me into a pit of despair where I was, um, you know, just not put my burdens on the Lord and focus too much on kind of the, the winning and losing and, and that pressure and that type of thing. I mean, that's just, that's awesome to hear. Thanks for sharing that. Just the fact that the next year really wasn't as good, but you had right. more fun. That, that is yeah. just, right. that's, that's awesome. That's a, that's a, that's a testament uh, to you and your perspective and your faith. And so you brought this up, so I'm going to go there about the fourth grade basketball we have entered this aau world oh my gosh it, it is freaking crazy and so tell us and everybody listening because this is this is a this is a real question as a college basketball coach how many 11 year olds are you out recruiting <laughs> because according to our experience it's like we think or everybody in the stands thinks that all of you college basketball coaches <laughs> are handing out scholarships as we walking out the door. So tell us right. that. Well, it depends on how you're asking that because I'm actually coaching a team right now <laughs> for, for I'm coaching Bennett's team. So, and we haven't been very good. So I've been like recruiting like crazy <laughs> for that, for that team. <laughs> like, Hey, you sure? Like, no, it is, it is true. You are out recruiting. I well, got it. Just a different way. Different way. Baseball season over yet? Is soccer season over? I know you said you can play, but hey, we got another tournament. Come on out to practice. No, um, we're not. We're not recruiting any eleven-year-olds <laughs> for Gardner Webb, um, or concerned at all with um, anybody that's that's not in high school or kind of towards the end of high school so okay we will, we will. we're gonna pass that along we so will. nobody's gonna listen to us but we'll pass that along please do please do let their tell them to let their kids be kids exactly let's let's make it fun right well we are so excited that you guys joined us but of course we have to end with our favorite part of the show and which is what we call the two minute drill or shot clock for the basketball coaches this is our shot clock here. So we're going two minute shot, clock. two minute shot clock. <laughs> like <laughs> um, that would be the worst offense ever in basketball. But um, we're going to, for two minutes, we're going to ask you guys some questions, fireball questions. You both have to answer and we'll get as many as we can in before the two minute drill goes off. This is our fun time. So, um, okay, you guys ready? Yeah. Right. Go. Okay, if you could hang out with one person for a day, who would it be? She answer first. Dead or alive? 
Denman. 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 You choose. Oh, Corey Ten Boom for me. Oh yes. Uh, Peter from mm. the Bible. Mm. <laughs> he just went up her. Huh? He just went up her. Yeah, you did. You went up. <laughs> you went up her. <laughs> Good answer. Uh, who was your favorite athlete growing up? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, what is your favorite junk food? Chocolate chip cookies. Uh, key lime pie. All time favorite movie. Hoosiers. Uh, Rudy. Um, what is the most played song on your iTunes right now? Homegrown. <laughs> Background band. <laughs> Um, probably, um, the goodness of God. Mm. Okay. Tim, what is your favorite quality about Jess? Um, organized. Mm. Jess, what is your favorite quality about Tim? <laughs> Cooking skills. <laughs> oh, that's good. Nice. Um, who had the most influence on you and your faith journey? My dad. Yeah, that was easy for you. All right, I'm going to say it. Tim. Oh, oh awesome. Tim for the win. So good. Um, besides Jesus, and you already said Peter, besides Jesus, <laughs> who is the one person in the Bible you would want to meet? Five seconds. Mary. Noah. Noah. Mm, nice. And you guys have... Uh, completed the two minute drill on huddle up thank Very you guys good. thank you guys so much for joining us and um taking time out of your busy schedule obviously your crazy um schedule as a coaching fostering family of so many kids you guys you guys have your own basketball team there at your house <laughs> uh, <laughs> all five of them right um so yeah. thank you. You guys are fantastic. Thank you so much for going on. I can't tell you how lucky Gardner Webb is to have the Kraft family. Thank you guys. Thank you. We'll see you guys later until next time when we join um everybody else on Huddle Up. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. Sarah and I love getting to share other people's stories. If you could just do us a couple favors. One, if you could just subscribe to the Hello with Chris and Sarah podcast. Two, review it. If you liked it, you didn't like it, or somewhere in between, that just really helps us to develop the content and just the questions that we ask our guests. And third, just share it. If it's something that you enjoyed or administered to you or you think others would like it, please just share it with them. And until next time, when you huddle up with Chris and Sarah Roberts.